Welcome into the Maroon Mike podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. The other co-host, Dan Faulkner. So, you know, it sucks as we're, we're watching Michigan State and Kansas State play an absolute classic in the Sweet 16 right now that we don't have any more MSU basketball uh, to cheer on at this point in the season. Um, we, I, 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 think, I think I said last time, we, we, we can go ahead and go to sleep. Uh, we don't have to wait till May to sleep. But still... The tournament is awesome. Um, glad we can uh, enjoy that. Maybe I guess in peace is the way to, to put it for us, with no stress. Um, but it that has turned things over fully to the diamond sports on campus uh, with baseball and softball. Um, so we're going to turn our attention there for the podcast today. I, I've been. This is kind of a very dull way of starting this podcast. I'll be honest. I don't know why, but. <laughs> Let's uh let's talk some baseball, uh, which I think Dole is kind of fitting for how this baseball season is going right now. They do get the win though against Arkansas State in the midweek to bounce back from a poor poor showing up in Lexington. Obviously, we had Lounge on to recap that series um, from the past weekend. They handle their business though in the midweek. Arkansas State they win sixteen to two. Bradley Lofton gives you a good start. Five inning five innings pitch, three hits, no earned runs, nine Ks, and the biggest thing, only two walks. Um, that has been sort of his biggest issue. I mean, frankly, it's been an issue for the entire pitching staff. But even in his good performances so far this year, it's been like five, six walks for him. Only walk two. That, that was a nice thing to see. Uh, another big day for Colton Ledbetter, who continues to have a good season. He goes three for three with a double, a homer, and four RBI. And the crazy thing, we got the return of Aaron Nixon, just the second appearance for him all season. And he hit three batters in the span of facing four. So... Uh, not what you want to see out of him. I guess he's getting getting the rust off. What's funny? He loads the bases by hitting hitting uh the three batters. Uh, they didn't get a single run out of it. They they left him loaded there. Um, Arkansas State's runs did come in the seventh after Cole Cheatham walked a pair and uh, allowed those guys to ultimately get home and score. Uh, so you know, typical that State even in uh blowout big win, you still saw some struggles from the pitching staff. I know they only allowed two runs, but um. Still, given that many guys free bases, that's been the problem all year. You need that to, to stop at some point. But at least you finally got a quality start out of Lofton. Uh, offense, had a, I know it's Arkansas State, but you bounce back. Um, yeah, I think at this point you just take whatever you can get from baseball, right? Yeah, get, get momentum. And, yeah, for Lofton, it's good to see him get some confidence because that's all you're trying to do here. You know the potential with him. And, and a lot of people online are saying this too, right? You just hope that one day we'll have um, Bradley Lofton and, and Durangelo starting, you know, Friday and Saturday in whatever order. Um, yeah, the potential's there. And to see him do pretty decent was good, right? Just build up some confidence because as a pitcher, that's all you need. And in, in a lot of circumstances, what we're seeing with the struggles in Bulldog pitching this year is a complete lack of confidence. Typically, if you're not throwing strikes – um, either one, you're just not a good pitcher, or two, you don't have any confidence in yourself. Um, and and with the talent that you know is in the dugout in Mississippi State, a lot of it could just go back to confidence. Um, and and to see Lofton getting some confidence, only two walks in five innings, hey, that's good, we'll take it. Um, yeah, I'm getting to see a lot of different people. I, I like to see Cole Cheatham. Uh, I kind of wanted to see him preseason, and, and yeah – Walked a pair, typical story of our life, but it is what it is. Hey, win's a win. 
But I'll say this, you know, people are like, oh, if only we played angry or whatever all the time. I, I don't think it's so much this team playing angry because uh, if, if this was like them, quote unquote, playing angry or whatever, they they do this every game. They find a way. They do it on the weekend games when it matters the most. That's my personal take. I could be wrong. I could be right. Who knows? But in the end, there is an extra digit in that W column for Mississippi State, and that's what mattered the most for Tuesday night, especially competing when viewership with uh, the World Baseball Classic of the United States and Japan, which was a classic, by the way. Perfect game. Like, not no, no one pitched a perfect game. It was a great game to watch. So that that was my little – I had to throw that in there because I had so much fun watching it. Well, I guess since it's the theme uh, for the past week of sports fans, um, then if we're gonna if you're gonna bring up the World Baseball Classic, then I, who let me tell you, I I don't have an opinion, is going to take the stance of it's the worst thing ever for baseball, um, and that players getting injured right before the start of the season is uh, over in meaningless games is obviously the the worst uh, awful terrible thing for the sport. Who cares about the World Baseball Classic? You know, let's just cancel the World Cup, too, all this other stuff. Cancel the Olympics, yada, yada. I mean, look, Trey Turner played in – had a lot of big, meaningful games in his career. Said his Grand Slam was the greatest home run he's ever hit. That's all all that matters right there. So so if you're talking like KFC – well, we're very far away from each other. The door's somewhere over there, but – Yeah, no, I – I'll be honest. I, I like I said, I don't really have an opinion on that. I thought that I I, I liked if we're quoting more Barstool people, the, the take from Barstool Big Cat of if people want to like it, they can like it. If people don't care about it, they don't have to care about it. It's kind of that simple. But of course, we all have to get angry and yell at each other. And obviously, the the Edwin Diaz injury did bring out uh, a lot of the the good and bad for a baseball fandom. The the reaction from that, but. It, obviously, that was a huge. Uh, it was a that was a big event for baseball, and got a lot of people excited. Um, sticking with baseball, back to MSU, since that's what you guys are actually listening for. It's a good thing MSU did pick up a win uh, because they need to get some momentum, if at all possible, with the team that's coming into town this weekend. Vanderbilt, the old Vandy boys. Uh, they are, yeah, they're still good. Sixteen and five on the season, number four in the country for D one baseball. Uh, they got off to a 3-0 start in SEC play after obliterating Ole Miss, uh, sweeping them in that series. Um, throughout non-conference play, uh, down at Globe Life Park in Arlington, they, they took two of three there, uh, losing to TCU but beating Texas and Oklahoma State. Uh, they beat a ranked Maryland team. Uh, they won a series against a ranked UCLA team. Um, this is a really good Vanderbilt team, which is you know kind of just saying the usual. So – with that being said, what is Mississippi State looking for as they take on the Commodores this weekend? Yeah, looking to to not be bad, first of all, because you're going up against a really good team. I don't know about how everyone else felt in June of 2021, but in those last few days of that wonderful, wonderful month, uh, one of the greatest times of any Mississippi State fan's life, uh, watching a national championship. Before then, I could probably speak for a lot of people. I was terrified. Uh, why? Because it's Vanderbilt. 
almost every time you go on a baseball field head-to-head with the Vanderbilt Commodores, they will be more gifted, more talented than you. That's how they play. That That's just who they are. They're known among high school kids and and like people who it matters the most to, right, to high school kids as the pro producer in baseball right now. They produce the professional athletes. They're the pitching factory. And they have a great rotation. Now, they, they don't – just like last week with Kentucky – they don't announce the three-man rotation, so I just pulled from who they had against Ole Miss Friday night. And by the way, all three of these guys are lefties. Uh, they they only use four lefties on their whole team in the pitching, and three of them are starters. So maybe they'll change it up some this weekend. That just depends on on Corbin's um, strategy. But first one, left-handed pitcher Carter Holton, a two-three-nine ERA. A, in 28 and two-thirds innings, 35 strikeouts. Solid guy, serviceable, gets you the innings, gets the strikeouts, right? 30, averaging well over one strikeout per inning, um, but he's not even the scariest guy in this rotation. And and ask an Ole Miss fan why, because you go to Saturday, left-handed pitcher Hunter Rowan. Why is Ole Miss scared of him? Well, he did just throw a complete game shutout against them. A 220 ERA for Owen. 26 and one-third innings and 30 strikeouts. Um, guys dominant on the mound, can't get anything off of him. Uh, and then cap it off, another left-handed, Devin uh, Futrell, 305 ERA in 20 and two-thirds innings, 18 strikeouts. Not so much the strikeout guy, but still serviceable enough with a 305 ERA. Look, that that ERA is a big number, and that's something that Mississippi State pitchers have been struggling with because they just put guys on base. These guys aren't just walking everybody. Right, they're they're not struggling with it right now, uh, and that's part of the issue. When I go to the pitchers, you remember a few names here on the the relievers. Uh, Nick Maldonado, remember Game One of the College World Series, he came in after Jack Leiter, and just like Leiter was lights out, so was Maldonado. The state was completely just dominated in that game. Maldonado, so far in this season, has a zero ERA. In 11 and two-thirds innings, 16 strikeouts. Still got the lights-out stuff, just like he did in 2021. Um, but to, to make it matters even worse, if another right-hander in Bryce Cunningham in 15 and one-third innings, he also has a zero ERA and 19 strikeouts. Moral of the story is, if you are losing, if Mississippi State is losing and you see the name Maldonado or Cunningham walking to the mound – Prepare for the worst, right? And just the way this season has gone so far, you don't see any of these, like, we haven't had any of these big cardiac dog moments this season. We had a few of those last year. We had plenty of them in 2021. Haven't seen them yet this year. Not quite. Again, another guy's familiar is Patrick Riley. We saw him some in uh, 2021 as well. This year he's struggling a lot, a 6.75 ERA, but he's being used a lot. He's gone 13 and a third innings so far. He's 15 strikeouts. Um, two other relievers to look for as well in just terms of how they're being used. Grayson Moore has gone 14 and a third inning this year. He's a 5.02 ERA and 24 strikeouts. Put him on there more so because I mean, 24 strikeouts and 14 innings pretty significant. Uh, kind of all over the place, though. He's all over the place. And when he misses, you have to hope when Grayson Moore is on the mound that he's going to miss. Because when he misses, when he misses – 
he misses where a guy can crank one 450 feet. Um, so watch out for his fastball. When you're going to strike you out or you're going to hit it deep. Now, the only lefty they use out of the bullpen, like I said, it could change this weekend. We'll find out as we go along. Only lefty they use in the bullpen is J.D. Thompson. So that is something to look for that maybe if if Lamona sees it best, he's going to put some more right-handed bats in the lineup, right, especially with the uh, what could be going on with Luke Hancock if he's going to play at all uh, after not playing on Sunday last weekend. And, you know, if any other lefty bats that he feels need to be taken out be just with the number of lefty starting – it's something to be to take a look at, but J.D. Thompson's the only left-handed pitcher in the bullpen, as far as we know. He's the only one that's been used. J.D. Thompson zero ERA in four and two-thirds innings, six strikeouts. So not a whole lot of use for him. Corbin's mostly going with the righties out of the bullpen. Uh, that that's what matters the most. We'll also take a look at some of the hitters. Uh, there are two names that we'll recognize as well from 2021: Enrique Bradfield Jr one of the fastest players in college baseball history, already at 15 stolen bases this year. That's that's stat that matters. And and I think everyone can agree if Hancock is healthy, he should not be behind the plate because a single from Enrique Bradfield Jr. will turn into a triple in the next two pitches in the, the next at-bat. He's that fast. He's lightning speed. Um, and, and if you have a guy like Luke Hancock behind the plate, the way he's not been able to get guys out at second base, even third base, and he's one of the most run-on catchers in the NCAA, it's something to keep an eye on. Now, Ross Highfill is better. I'm not going to say he's not at the same level as Logan Tanner, not the the flashes that we've seen. But if you remember this, Bradfield ran over Logan Tanner I think he had four stolen bases in the weekend series in that 2021 season. He had four stolen bases on Tanner. Uh, Tanner didn't throw him out once. So wasn't Logan Tanner's weekend. But also another name you'll remember, Parker Nolan from that 2021 team. He's playing first base, 244 average, 10 runs batted in. A few other guys to look at as well. The right fielder, RJ Shrek. He's hitting 329, five home runs, 17 RBI. He's their top hitter. Um, and then their middle infield is looking pretty good this year as well. R.J. Austin at second, Jonathan Vastine at short. Both of them have three home runs in 10 RBI and around a 275 average. Decent lineup, right? Serviceable, does the job. Yeah, like they're still really good. They're not, you know, I wouldn't say a top 10, top 15 lineup in America, but they're still really good and they're put up a lot of runs on a really good Ole Miss team which is obviously concerning for an MSU pitching staff that has had its fair share of struggles this season. And something you you noted in here, I mean, this is a lineup that, if nothing else, they get on base. And they can walk a lot. That's absolutely concerning. That is the biggest weakness MSU has, is putting easy guys on base. You mentioned their lineup. Maybe not the same uh, – not, not a lineup, rotation. Maybe not the same dominance that we've had out of Andy in the past, but this is still a really good pitching rotation for Vanderbilt, as you would expect. And, look, stayed offensively, that's been the strength for much of the season. But we also just saw in Lexington, they struggled mightily. Um, so when it comes to how, you know, MSU can, can match up in this game, what are the biggest things you're looking for? And, I mean, who, who are the guys that you think most need to step up? Yeah. Um, first thing is you got to grind out at bats. 
when I say grind out at bats, I mean I want Amani Larry and Colton Ledbetter to see everything that that Holton Owen and, and Putrell have to throw each game, the first inning. I want those two when they when they come up to the plate to start out, and I want them take a pitch or two, maybe even take a strike. Try to say it right. Don't be as aggressive. We can't let these guys you know, come in here and get a get a complete game shut out. We just cannot, right? It's one thing if they do it at their house. Um, but but getting a complete game shut out in, in our house is, is a different story, right? You don't want to see that someone do that at Duty Noble Field. Um, because it, it just it's demoralizing, right? And and it really gets a team down. Guys that need to step up, I mean like I said, I want to see the top of the order uh, just grinding out those at-bats. And, look, yeah, Colton Ledbetter, he's still hot at the plate. Hunter Hines, we know what he's been doing. Still, like, be patient with it. I said, if you get if you get Holton out on Friday night, maybe you'll get lucky and you'll ha- get to face a guy like Grayson Moore where, look, he is going to miss a pitch every once in a while. Yeah, you can send one. You can send one to the lounge with 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 him in there. So, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, can they do it? And for that pitching staff, yeah, like, just throw freaking strikes. I don't know what else to say. Bradfield's walked 17 times. Shrek's walked 14 times. Davis Diaz, another guy in the lineup, has walked 12 times this year. Look, like, when Bradfield gets on base, he's running. He's running. It's what he does. Got to keep him off base he is such a good tone setter by just when he gets on base he creates problems for the other pitcher because when you're on the mound and Enrique Bradfield is standing on first shoot even second base he's in your head so if if Enrique Bradfield's in your head it's almost game over at that point because then you're not going to throw if you already struggle to throw strikes you're definitely not going to throw strikes uh, when a guy that lightning quick is on base. So, yeah, I, I put the the key to Mississippi State is the bullpen because you've seen some decent starts so far. I mean, who would have said that Gerangelo, you know, had a bad game Friday night last week? Not really. Gartman was just in too long, which unfortunately what four innings was too much. Um, I hate that. Just kind of – how it went that day and whoever Sunday will be, right, if Cade Smith is now healthy again, right, the rumors were that he just wasn't healthy and the fact that he hadn't pitched kind of proves that to be right. Maybe he could take back Sunday. Um, I don't think he's going to just – if he does come back, he's not going to hop right back into Friday night, not after not after that Arizona State game, regardless of whether or not he was healthy. And – I, other than that, I'm not sure who will pitch Sunday, right? It's still TBD. TBD made his return. He, his second straight week. So he didn't do good last weekend, though. So because Graham Intima, I think he was dealing with something um, in his arm as well. So or his back. I, I don't know. I, I think he was had an issue, injury issue. So yeah, who whoever goes Sunday, like you got to do it. But I, I I'm not putting all the pressure on the starters. So a lot of these games, things gone south when we throw our bullpen guys out there. Um, Friday night, we thought we had it. There was at one point Friday night, I thought our three sports playing were going to go 3-0. and 
But then, of course, the last one on, I forgot. No, actually, softball was the last one on. Never mind. But so I, I just confident we're going to 3 0 today. Women's basketball upset Creighton. Softball was definitely beating South Carolina. And, and baseball, yeah, blew it on a wild pitch. So, yeah, it's a bullpen. You come out of the bullpen, like, come on, throw strikes, you know. Because um, fact of the matter is this, and Foxhall knows this, uh, his job's on the line coming this season, right? Uh, say what you want about Lamonis. I don't think his future is in danger this season. Um, I mean, I know a lot of donors are upset with what's going on right now, but I don't think his future is in danger. Scott Foxhall's is. So that that's my little two cents on, on that. But yeah, bullpen. Do your job. Take care of business. What prediction are you going to give us for the series this weekend, knowing all of that? You guys know me. I'm positive. I'm very positive. I said we were going to take two out of three last weekend. I wanted to say we were going to sweep. I was wrong. Well, not as positive right now. I'm not. Um, I, I just don't think with the pitching staff, the way they're pitching – until they prove me otherwise, I don't think we're going to go that far. I've got Vanderbilt taking two out of three. I would argue that's still being plenty positive, uh, considering <laughs> the way MSU baseball has started off. They can get a game this weekend. Um, I mean, they badly need a series win, but that's that's tough to expect against this Vanderbilt team, just where MSU is at, at right now. You mentioned softball briefly there for a second, uh, and they're uh, getting a win against South Carolina. We did not obviously get to have you on as an immediate recap. They start off uh, SEC play with a sweep against the Gamecocks. They win an extra innings, 10 innings, which you know, that's very long for a softball game. Uh, on Friday, get a dominant performance pitching uh, on Saturday, and then you just run rule them uh, on uh, Sunday to get the sweep. I mean, your takeaways from, from softball just being so dominant to get things, start off SEC play. Yeah, I mean – yeah, get going starting three and zero is absolutely huge for this team. Now, South Carolina is the worst team in the Southeastern Conference. Um, let me get that out of the way. They're not good, not good at all. Uh, I, my preseason prediction was that they weren't going to win a game. Then somehow they did take a game against LSU, a very good team, and I thought, oh wow, we're screwed. Well, we weren't. Um, we got the sweep, and that's what matters the most. And the reason why is. Uh, to to all my friends who are listening who are uh, new to softball or to SEC softball, whatever we talk about the gauntlet of the SEC baseball schedule, that's softball but on steroids. Like like softball is that but steroids. It, it's insane. Um, it's a different animal, and the reason why is is just everyone twelve out of thirteen teams make a regional on a yearly basis 12 out of 13 you don't see that in baseball at all reason why well even the bad teams in the sec struggle against their non-conference every team in the southeastern conference dominates their non-conference opponents just obliterates them and they're all so good that, that a lot of these at-large bids in the ncaa tournament go to sec teams mississippi state was about i think 10th last season and they made a super regional that's how good the conference is. They took down the number two team in the country. First time ever that happened in a regional. Now, what I'm getting at with that is this. Starting 3-0 in conference is huge. They've had to climb from horrible deficits before. In 2021, I think it started 
in the SEC, 0-9, something like that. It was miserable. Then they won seven, eight in a row. It was enough to, to push them into the tournament. So, yeah, starting 3-0 is big. It's huge for confidence. Dogs are riding hot right now. And I just lost another one of my Final Four teams as Michigan State falls in overtime to Kansas State. So, that's that's lovely. Um, you, you obviously talk about how big it is to start 3-0. This is especially true considering their next opponent. Uh, Bulldogs versus Bulldogs as Mississippi State will travel to Athens to take on Georgia. Georgia is really freaking good. Um, they're soft. Georgia softball, 25-6 and six on the season, ranked as high as number eight in the country, depending on where you look. And the big thing for them, they're 5-1 and one in SEC play, which that's one of those weird – what? That's weird. I'm not going to ask why because we don't have a ton of time here, but that is very weird that, like, they don't all start SEC play the same weekend. I don't – I got you. Oh, Real quick. So, I mean, there's 13 teams, so Vanderbilt doesn't have a team. Right. So, Vanderbilt sucks. So someone like every every team has one weekend where they don't play SEC softball. Mississippi State's was opening weekend for conference play. Um, that, sometimes there's sometimes there's one who don't play, but that's how it has to work because of Vanderbilt. That makes sense. Okay. Um, which they another quick aside here. I know we don't have a ton of time. They have to figure out how they're going to handle softball scheduling going forward. I understand you're bringing a couple more teams in the league teams that are very good specifically one of them but the fact that you don't have state and Ole Miss playing every single year is ridiculous I don't know why that's a thing but whatever hopefully they get that sorted out so Georgia's 5-1 in SEC play they got series wins against Auburn and A&M both of whom were ranked um and are still ranked uh and this is a team that's like their lineup is deadly they're batting 338 338 as a team which is number 11 in the country 50 freaking home runs. That is third in the country. For comparison, MSU has hit 28. Now, I understand MSU doesn't have the same power in the lineup as they did a year ago, but that's still quite the difference. Uh, 6.87 runs per game, which I mean, that's basically 6.9. Nice. Uh, that's also 11th in the country. Top seven batters in the lineup, all over 300. And the girl batted ninth and still batting 284. Uh, right fielder Jada Kearney leads the way at 395. 10 home runs, five doubles, two triples. 24 RBI with a 505 on base percentage. And then your third baseman, Sarah Mosley, has 11 home runs and 33 RBI. Is this going to be a challenge for MSU's uh, pitching staff? Yeah, young pitching staff. Uh, you know, there is no – really, I mean, Aspen Wesley can still say is the, the bona fide ace. Um, but outside of her, you're really relying on uh, on Josie Marin and Reese Beerline. Who are have done phenomenal as freshmen in the circle, and then really outside of them, those three, I uh, kind of struggled some. Matalasi Papito has has struggled in the circle. Some Kenley Hawk uh, still isn't entirely back to her old self, um, at least in terms of her confidence. I think maybe she is, maybe she's not. I don't know, but like the the play on the field hasn't quite been there yet. Yeah, it's going to be a huge challenge. I, I like the challenge for the freshman pitchers, Marin and Beerline, just because look, they are they're young. They're still getting their uh, their feet wet in college softball. And that means you know this is their first time pitching the SEC, like in in a real conference opponent. Yeah, Georgia, like you said, they're good. That lineup's deadly. Uh, they they rip teams apart at the plate. So huge challenge. Need someone to step up and be a leader in the circle, and whether that's Wesley, whether that's Marin. I think it'd be one of those two 
We saw that from Wesley and from um, Annie Willis a year ago, and that's what led them as far as they did. Um, but just to get a game here, you just need somebody to have a dominating performance, just somebody, because softball, it is it is fairly easy to get a complete game, uh, and, and you're able to pitch multiple times in the weekend, your arm's still able to stay fresh. Good pitching as well for the Georgia Bulldogs, 2.017 ERA, 207 batting average allowed. That's kind of funny how those numbers line up. Uh, Shelby Waters and Madison Kerpix are their two main starters. Walters has a 1.39 ERA, 70 Ks, only 15 walks allowed so far in the season. Teams are batting 228 against her, and she has a 12-1 and record so far in the season. Uh, Kerpix, 1.61 ERA, 77 Ks, 27 walks, uh, only give, allowing teams to bat 179, 9-4 and record. So, uh, I mean, for the, when you look at this Bulldog – Bulldog lineup, Mississippi State's Bulldog lineup. Uh, I mean, how, how much, how well do they match up here? It, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, I'm not going to lie because uh, we've had a lot just changing in and out, seeing Riley Hole in, seeing Riley Hole out, Jackie McKenna in, Jackie McKenna out. Um, you've seen different freshmen from Macy Graff, Nadia Barbary in the infield. Um, outfield stayed pretty consistent, but yeah, you got to get that production at the top of the lineup, probably Macy Graff or Riley St. Clair leading off, um, Chloe Malulu hitting behind them. I mean, she's got to, she's got to do her part um, because she's the one that those pitchers are focusing on. And, and if she's able to get on top of them, uh, then the rest of the lineup should be able to follow behind her lead. Can I miss you get a game this weekend? I hope. Let's give let's give him one. I'm gonna give him one. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a challenge. All right, that's gonna do it for us today. Uh, hopefully, we get uh, things turned around for baseball and softball can pick up the one as well. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Daniel, for hopping on. As always, swing your sword and hail state. <laughs>